I'm Sharon Brett Kelly, and I'm doing a bit of an experiment for the detail today. I'm at the dreaded supermarket picking up a few essentials. And then I'm going to work out if there's any realistic alternative, if there's anywhere else in the neighbourhood that I can get the same groceries cheaper. Oh, yes, please. I also want to find out if there's been progress in breaking up the supermarket duopoly and if we have any hope at all of ever cutting our sky-high grocery bills. We always like to paint entities in industries where there's a lot of market dominance as the giant beast to be slayed. So will we see someone else come in? We hope so. Plus, what's it like to come home to New Zealand and do that first supermarket shop? It was really shocking when you've been out of the country for a little while and then you come back in and you get a real sense of how much the price of food has risen here. But back to my own experiment. So nearly one and a half kg of bananas, the wrong ones, green cooking ones because there weren't any yellow ones, four royal gala apples, a dozen eggs, a loaf of whole grain bread and two litres of milk plus a one kg bag of potatoes came to roughly $38 at the supermarket. I'm setting off now to see whether I can do an alternative shop that's going to cost me less and maybe be a more pleasant experience. Well, it wasn't a pleasant experience for Consumer NZ's Head of Research and Advocacy, Gemma Rasmussen. She was hit with a $400 grocery bill when she first came back from Sydney. It really hit me at that point of how expensive it is to buy food in New Zealand now. What would you have paid in Sydney? I think we would have paid about $350. And, you know, Sydney is is not a cheap city. Rent is very expensive there. There's a lot that is expensive. And in my mind, I'd kind of thought that New Zealand and Australia was on par. And you're talking about 250 New Zealand dollars for a weekly shop in Sydney compared with 400 here. Can you explain why? Yeah, so I think there are a few factors. One is just the competition um, in Australia. So where I lived in Sydney, within a 10-minute drive of my house, there was um, an Aldi, there was a Coles, there was um, a, a Woolies Countdown equivalent. There was also a fruit and veggie market, which was local. There was an IGA, which is independent grocer, and then there was one other supermarket. It would mean, okay, if I want to go and get some really discount German chocolate and um, these specific um, potatoes for a great price, I know that I can go to Aldi and then I'll go to the other place for other goods. So I really had that option to shop around based on pricing and, and personal preference. And really what it just boiled down to was choice. And what I've heard from Australians was that when Aldi entered the market in Australia, because they were such a budget competitor, it really pushed the other supermarkets to drive down their prices. I mean, what do you know? Because you've done quite a lot of investigative work on what's going on in the industry here in New Zealand. Yeah, so, I mean, we would love to see another player. At a bare minimum, what we need is to see the duopoly operating in a way that is fair and reasonable. And the Commerce Commission study found that there were excessive profits, that suppliers were, um, you know, not being treated fairly, 
Um, and and so as a baseline, we just we just need these supermarkets to be competing, you know, not abusing the power imbalance that they currently enjoy. Um, obviously, there's Costco, which has come to Auckland, but that alone is not going to have um, enough of an effect. Like there has been some pretty rudimentary studies that have shown that for supermarkets around in Costco you know, those prices are going down because of that competition effect. We've also got the warehouse, which is now expanding their grocery line. Um, we, we did a, a little bit of a study to to look at how the other supermarkets were responding to the warehouse, you know, now being in, in this place where they're selling milk and bread and butter and vegetables and, and whatnot. What we actually found through our little study was that Pack and save seems to be responding directly to the warehouse's pricing, but not so much the other supermarkets. And it could be because they see them as a, a budget competitor. So ultimately, you know, more supermarkets would be great and more choice for people would be excellent. We've had a, a Commerce Commission investigation into the duopoly. We had high hopes that that was going to make a difference. You know, they've announced this grocery industry competition bill. There's a, going to be a grocery commissioner. There's going to be a grocery supply code. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. our prices are going up. Yeah, and I think this is a really difficult thing for New Zealanders because um, there's there's probably a difference between what is a fair market and what is pricing. So when we have a fair market, that means that the system is working in a way that is good and operational and fair so that we can be really confident that the prices that we are paying for are fair because we can't um, we can't do anything about the other things like what's happening internationally. And, you know, as a, as a market, we are one that has a really high reliance on, on what's happening internationally. We um, export a lot of our food and that means that um, whatever, whatever the prices that are being dictated overseas, that's quite different to somewhere like America where they, they grow a lot in the country and then they sell a lot in the country. So, there are a lot of factors that, that go into that pricing and, and we know that New Zealanders are really stressed about how much food is costing now. And I think what it means is that people are desperate to find an alternative way of getting their basics, you know, buying their essentials. Yeah, and I think that's the tricky thing is that a lot of people in the country, they're kind of frustrated with the supermarkets um, they can feel that it's not quite right, but then they don't, don't really know what the other option is or they don't feel like there's this great option or alternative for them to turn to. It's going to be really interesting to see how things play out with this grocery commissioner coming in. Um, you know, one thing that we felt was that with the supermarket, um, with that grocery sector study uh, by the Commerce Commission, there was really a lot, of, a very strong spotlight on the supermarkets. And um, one thing that we were pushing for was the, you know, the pricing and promotional um, strategies to be monitored a bit, a bit closer. We felt like they, they needed to be a little bit more transparent and it was decided that that would be left to the supermarkets. Um, now, with the spotlight on them, they, they, we haven't really seen any change. So we recently did a study and the public sent in over 300 dodgy supermarket specials. They're just not lifting their game. 
I've driven about five minutes up the road from home to an outdoor fruit and veggie market that runs twice a week. I'm just doing a bit of an experiment to see if what I buy here at the market is cheaper than what I buy at the supermarket. No one was selling eggs, but I couldn't resist buying a bunch of flowers. Thank you. And thank you for making colour. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. Beautiful. OK, so that was, a, um, that was a great experience, that little market. I got some yellow bananas for two ninety nine a kilo. The potatoes a kilo was $2. And four apples, gala apples cost me a dollar fifty. They were two dollars a kilo. So all in all, for fruit and veggies, that was much cheaper going to the market. And if you want a bit of banter, it's a bit more fun. Now I have to go and find some eggs and buy some milk and bread. And I'm thinking I'll go to the warehouse for that. I don't think I'll get my eggs from there, but I'll give it a go. Speaking of the warehouse's foray into grocery and others' efforts to break the duopoly, so far, not a lot of success. And Paul Macbeth from Business Desk says the new laws are going to take a long time to make any kind of difference. We won't start seeing the impacts of this for some time yet, and that's often the way when it comes to governments waving their arms about uh, wanting to do something. It takes a long time. And prices are still going up, wages are flying up, supermarkets have to pay their staff more. We've seen that through Woolworths, the owner of Countdown. They hike their wages and their margins have get, got squeezed as a result. Uh, suppliers want more money because they're getting charged more for the raw materials that they use to make their ingredients and, and food products. Everything's just got more expensive and there's only so much that legislation can do to mitigate that. Just some figures here, just to remind people that this is a $22 billion sector that we're talking about, the supermarket sector, and the duopoly has an 80% share. In 2020, they were making $430 million a year in excess profits. So when we hear that their margins are being squeezed, it's it's... You know, it's hard to have any any sympathy for that, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think anyone has any sympathy for them. It's been a long seen as an issue, that concentration of market power. You go back if maybe a decade or so, people were trying to get, uh, I think it was Shane Jones and Clayton Cosgrove when they were in the Labour Party opposition. They had been hearing from suppliers, food suppliers, that they were struggling to make headway with the uh, two big supermarkets and had to accept the terms that they wanted. Now, the Commerce Commission at the time had a little look at that but didn't really go much further because it didn't have the powers without the market study that was introduced a few years ago. It's the tyranny of New Zealand that we often end up with a couple of large players that dominate the market and it's hard to get new competitors in there. One of the big things about all of these changes is just stoking competition. And while foodstuffs and Countdown can uh, pretend that they want more rivals out there, uh, as a business owner, they never want to lose market share and they never want to lose profit. Um, so seeing the likelihood, well, the possibility of them having to open up their wholesale suppliers that this legislation would do and, and start selling wholesale to 
rival retailers, that's going to be a massive issue for them. And that will take a long time to work out. But whether or not we'll see any real gains from that is a, is a difficult question to sort of pose there. It reminds you a lot of when Chorus was owned by Telecom. And while they had a structural separation before they were carved out properly, uh, they were forced to, to supply telecommunications access. But whether or not you actually saw gains and, and improvements, it, it was hard to really see that until you really saw the structural separation and, and the overhaul of the network. So whether or not a, a wholesale, regulated wholesale regime with the supermarkets uh, stokes that kind of competition, really difficult to sort of crystal ball gaze and, and work out if that'll lead to more players out there and lower prices for uh, everyone at home. Could you explain to me that wholesale side of things and what the new law would change about the current setup? Yeah, so that's, that's the Grocery Commissioner will be tasked with monitoring the industry and there will be a code of conduct that the supermarket operators will have to adhere to in the way that they do business, not only with suppliers, but also selling wholesale to other rival retailers. And against that, there's the, the bill and, and legislation will introduce a backstop regulatory regime where if they can't work out terms as uh, proper grown-ups, they'll be forced to go and have a wholesale regime regulated by the Commerce Commission. They see that as massive regulatory overstep. But it's hard to see a regulator having that tool in their back pocket and not wanting to whip it out at some stage, especially when there's so much uh, political pressure and pressure from the wider public for something to happen. The, the supermarkets really do, the two big uh, chains, foodstuffs and Woolworths, control so much of that grocery trade that it, it's, it's difficult to see how any other retailer can compete on an even footing without some kind of big stick to tow them into line. Continuing with my mission to find an alternative grocery retailer, I'm at the warehouse. And you don't have any bread? No, our delivery hasn't arrived yet. Oh, OK. Oh, yes, please. I did get some other grocery bargains at the warehouse, but the trouble is you never know what you're going to get. So, yes, I think that was a cheaper buying experience as well but as you heard there I couldn't get any bread, there was no bread it hadn't arrived, so that means I'm going to have to go somewhere else and I still haven't got my eggs yet so I'll keep going The warehouse has again used this market study and the ongoing legislation to think a bit more deeply about having another go at grocery but when they tried it a decade ago, more than a decade ago, both foodstuffs and Woolworths got in there, bought stakes to essentially block Stephen Tyndall from taking it private with a, a private equity company at the time. They didn't want to have a strong competitor, a, a well-funded um, private competitor that could have taken it to them. So that lasted a few years, and then the warehouse gave up on that. 
So I wonder if they try to do it now or under this new law, whether they would find it any easier. They certainly would. Both Woolworths and Foodstuffs have sold their steaks entirely out of the warehouse. They still have a large distribution network across the country. They've got a large retail footprint. That's one of the big things, the big selling points of both Countdown Stores, New World's Four Squares, Pack and Saves. They're everywhere. They've squeezed out all of those, not quite all, but a lot of those local dairies around the corner. You you see in the cities, rather than a couple of convenience stores, well-placed mini-supermarkets. They've really taken over that grocery uh, sector in a way that I don't think any of us would have thought prior. And when you're losing all of those petrol stations around the cities as well that have their little convenience stores too, you're really losing a lot of options there. Do you believe that people have any faith that this grocery industry competition bill will make any difference at all? Probably not, but that is in part because it takes so long to get through. And even once it gets through, once it starts coming into effect, it will be a long time before we'll be able to work out whether or not it made any difference. You do hope that they will make some moves on their own, but it will be a long time, I would say, before we'd see any real impact from the legislation And that comes at a time when we're all feeling the pinch because prices are going up because of things beyond our control. There's there's only so much you can do to uh, bring down international energy prices. There's only so much you can do to mitigate the costs of international shipping that took so long to, to get back to some semblance of normality. And when you're having your local crops ravaged by cyclones and flooding, that's just going to make things all that harder as as we go through. I think that a a really close eye on the major players as well as accountability will make, um, should make significant improvements. I think that um, ensuring that suppliers are able to collectively bargain and that they have more power um, will be a really healthy thing for the market. But um, that, will probably only go so far. And when you look at that Aldi effect in Australia, um, the duopoly really being pushed by another player um, for them to, to review their prices, I, I, I do think that is something that, that would be the massive driver for change that, that we do need. Now, I'm still on the hunt for bread and eggs in my neighbourhood. So I'm going to go to the local dairy now to see what they've got to offer me. Oh, now, how much is this? The bread is... What's your price on No, just $5.50 and that's $14.90. $14.90 for that. Oh, God. It's a bit expensive, isn't it? I'll just take that thing and I'll put these back Okay, I could have bought my eggs there, but I just couldn't face paying $14.90 for them. So, and that's my alternative shopping done. Uh, It took me three times longer, probably, to get what I wanted, but ultimately it was cheaper. And parts of it were a much nicer shopping experience. And I have to say, I might even rethink the way I go grocery shopping. 
That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. This episode was engineered by William Saunders and produced by Sarah Robson. Thanks to Paul Macbeth and Gemma Rasmussen. Kakite anō. Ka